Everybody, my name is Kyle, and I want to welcome you to Uplift and to the conversation and to Anchor Point. We are in a series called Counselor, Comforter, Keeper this week, and next week we'll end it. Uh, it's a series over the Holy Spirit. We've carved out those three words from the song, Wonderful, Merciful Savior. And I just kind of, I've had a good time in this series. It's been so much uh, fun. Uh, it's, it's given me tons of life and just, uh, I just I've, I've loved reading and rereading some things about the Holy Spirit. Um, and I'm, I'm thankful to have been able to share this. Uh, so this week and next week, Holy Spirit. You ever heard of a deep fake? Know what a deep fake is? So a deep fake is a video that uses technology to replace somebody's likeness with the likeness of someone else. Now, this can either happen in photographs, images, videos, now they can clone people's voices with artificial intelligence to make, it, uh, as, uh, to make it appear as though an individual did or said something when in fact they, they didn't do that at all. If, if you Google this, if you did a little Google search, you're going to find out that you can actually get apps on your phone now that give you at least some limited or basic capability of using this technology on a personal level. I want to show you a video of a deep fake. It's one of the more famous ones from a TikTok account called Deep Tom Cruise. You've probably seen this, not even known about it. An actor, his name is Miles Fisher, has created what he has called the first widely believable deep fake. It's Miles Fisher, but it looks like Tom Cruise, the actor. Uh, he was interviewed by the Today Show in December of 2021. I want to show you the first minute of this video. Take a look at this. What's up, TikTok? All year long, Deep Tom Cruise has been posting videos showing what appears to be a different side of the Oscar-nominated actor. I think there's bubblegum inside this. People are surprised that I'm a big Dave Matthews guy. But believe it or not, that's most definitely not Tom Cruise. <laughs> Nor is this with me in our LA bureau. This is serious breaking news, but a little behind the scenes, a little, a little flavor. I'm with one of the most legitimate correspondents on Earth. Now, if you're interviewing me, Jacob, yeah. you face it. Hold on just a second. There's a big fire. <laughs> We're safe. <laughs> you are deepfake Tom Cruise. That's me. <laughs> That's me. Miles Fisher may have an uncanny resemblance to the superstar, but using advanced technology, what he's created is far more than an extraordinary impersonation. Have you guys created the best deepfake that has ever been made? I think we have created the first deep fake that's so realistic that a large majority of people have seen. It's pretty impressive. You can see that whole video on YouTube. It's about five or six minutes long. It then goes on to detail sort of how this technology works. It's pretty impressive, isn't it? Not Tom Cruise, but you think it is. Oh, by the way, did you know, I want to show you this picture. Did you know that President Trump Help Noah fill the ark. Did you know that? Oh, and, and that's not all he did. Look at this. He also helped sign the Emancipation Proclamation in 1863 and signed it. We're not done. He also visited Julius Caesar in the Roman Empire and gave him some military advice. And, by, and he was the first U.S. president to win the Daytona 500. It's amazing, isn't it? You can find those images and more. On it. That's a deep fake. You can find them on a Twitter account called, uh, I think it's um, uh, Trump History 45. This guy just does 
really great images of Trump. I've seen a few of these, and I thought, was he really there? Uh, they're pretty impressive. They're not all silly, though. Uh, one of the more infamous deep fakes was of Ukrainian President Zelensky, and it was uploaded to a hacked Ukrainian news website, and it showed, it wasn't him, but it showed Zelensky calling on Ukrainian soldiers to lay their weapons down because they had surrendered to Russia. Pretty serious. In an interview with Forbes just last week, Scott Herman, who is a CEO of one of the industry's best company that helps with identity theft protection, said that the rise of deep fake crime has become a significant concern because deep fakes target individuals now to discredit them. That's a common, a common thing. And uh, just as we discussed, they're now being used to impersonate political figures. They're actually afraid of deep fakes infiltrating the next presidential election. What Scott Herman says is not knowing the difference, or at least not being able to spot the difference in deep fakes can create a zero trust situation. You don't know what to trust anymore. Now he cites, there's some new technology, he says there's something called Google Synth ID, you can Google this. It helps identify deep fakes. Government regulation has also been discussed, but you can see the issue. If you don't know what's true, then how can you trust anything? I think it would be irresponsible um, for this message series to not discuss deep fakes because something that can appear or seem as nebulous as the Holy Spirit is sure to arouse some deep fakes, some imposters, and even some red flags. I mean, how, how do you know? How do you know you've experienced the breath of God? How do you know you've experienced the Holy Spirit, especially when our religious consciousness hears things like charismatic movements or charismatic churches? How do, how do you spot a deep thing? Well, the only sure way to know the real thing is to experience the real thing. Because there's a difference, even if you don't realize it at first. And deep fakes are tough to, to, to spot on the surface. They're tough to recognize. Images look the same. Voices look the same. A quick look and you're fooled, but you have to sometimes embark on some deeper investigations. This is a pretty common and ancient issue, by the way. Believers in the New Testament wanted to know how to spot a real experience with the Holy Spirit. In fact, they wanted to know how they could know if they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they wanted to know how they could recognize even other people in their churches, how they could recognize if they were filled with the Spirit of God. And Paul actually addressed this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's read the first three verses. I've got it printed on your order of worship. If not, you can also find it here on the screen. The first three verses may not be on your order of worship. It may be on the screen. Here we go. 1 Corinthians 12, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. 
And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, three verses, tons to unpack here, and, and we will, but the, the prologue to this conversation in this first few verses is pretty significant. In our English translations, we're going to see this phrase, and we read it now, concerning spiritual gifts. Now, in most of our English translations, that's what it's going to say. And it, and it appears that the Corinthians wrote a letter to Paul, and they wanted to know about spiritual gifts in this letter to, to him. Maybe the question is better asked, though, who exactly qualifies as spiritual? And here's why. I want to show you a Greek word. This word, pneumatikos, is the word translated in our English languages as spiritual gifts. You have to do some forensic investigations on this word. I'm not a scholar, but you can kind of walk your way through it. And you figure out that Paul used this specific word 14 times in this letter. And he used it in reference to people, to things, and to the human body. But he used another word when he talks about gifts. So our English translations kind of think when they start looking at chapter 12, that they're going to translate this as spiritual gifts. It's not a bad translation. Your Bible can be trusted. Don't, don't, hear, don't hear that. Don't hear me saying it can't be. But I think for me and for us, I think there's a better translation here because of where Paul goes in the next three or four chapters. A lot of commentators will actually say that a better translation for pneumatikos is spiritual things or spiritual matters. Because the next four chapters in 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about spiritual things, spiritual matters. And gifts are but one of those. A couple chapters later, he talks about the spiritual gift of resurrection. So again, I think when you kind of look at the Greek language here and what Paul's thinking, I think there's a, I think we kind of get a sense of what the Corinthians are wanting to know. They're wanting to know who is spiritual, who is and who isn't, who is genuinely filled with the Holy Spirit and who isn't, and how do we know? In other words, the Corinthian believers wanted to know what is real and what is a deep faith. That's what they wanted to know. Let's read what Paul tells them in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to read an extended passage. It's about 13 verses Follow along. Now, concerning spiritual things, brothers, I don't want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Verse 4, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. These are those spiritual things, spiritual matters. Verse 7, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. To another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. Verse 9, to another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. 
to another, the working of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another, various kinds of tongues or languages, and to another, the interpretation of those languages. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, Though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. What an amazing passage by Paul. I mean, you could just read this over and over. It's one of those beautiful passages where every time you read it, you're going to get something else. He's succinct and he's straightforward here. You can almost hear him say it, Corinthians, if you want to know how to spot a deep fake in the spirit, then I'm going to show you how. So what's the real thing? How can you figure this out? Who are truly the spiritual ones? Well, in this passage, I find four different ways, and I'm going to show them to you. Here's the first one. Spot the seduction. Spot the seduction. Paul says this right off the bat, by the way. Right off the bat, verse 2 verses Concerning spiritual things, I don't want you to be uninformed, but verse 2 is really where it is. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Now, Paul uses some really specific language here. That's what I like about Paul. He's a great writer. He says that once, you Corinthians, you were led. You were led. Now, this verb... Led, it's in the passive voice. Now, this is not school, but, I, but you kind of know what this is. What that means is that something or someone led them, seduced them, captured their attention. And that's important because the powers of this age, the antithetical powers of the spirit, they usually oppress and threaten, but they also seduce. They trick you. They entice you. Entice me, and we eagerly follow. People who suffer any type of addiction actually demonstrate this in what is called incentive salience. Incentive salience. Incentive salience has three components. Listen to this. You want what is not expected to be like. That's the first. The second, you want what is not remembered to be like. So in other words, you're not really expected to like this, but you like it anyway. And you're not even going to remember liking this thing after the fact. And the third component is that you want what is not actually liked when you get it. You spend all this time wanting something, and when you have it, you realize you didn't really want it in the first place. What this means, let me kind of translate this for you, is that an addict's desire to obtain rewards from something is detached from their actual enjoyment of that thing. In other words, you know you can't get anything from the object of your addiction that's going to satisfy you. This is actually seen in people who are addicted to pornography. Those who are addicted to pornography feel impulses to have a reward for viewing pornography, but once it's viewed, 
The enjoyment they thought they would feel doesn't really exist. They are left feeling hollow. The object of their addiction can't satisfy them. This is a really studious way to see our sinful natures at work. That's what this is. We're easily seduced to have things we don't want, even when we know we won't like them when we get them. We go anyway. Paul says this in verse 2. Look at this. You were led astray to mute, mute idols, seduction. By the powers of the age is a seduction to something that can't even speak, can't even speak. The irony of Paul's argument here is really hard to miss. He doesn't, he doesn't really tell us what's doing the leading. He leaves this ambiguous, but we know that it is most definitely evil because of the direction of the leading. We're being led to mute idols, to things, the things that we serve other than Jesus, have no voice. Without a voice, they have no power. They have no power. Deep fakes, those people who aren't filled with the Spirit of God, they're easy to spot because they lead us to things that can't talk, to things that can't make any claims to our lives. Spot the seduction. Here's the second way. The second way to spot a deep fake is this. It's to know the confession to know the confession. Listen to how Paul describes this when we read again in verse 3. Therefore, I want you to understand, Paul writes, that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Big thing here. The reality of our existence, of our faith, is that we do not have the power to confess the Lordship of Jesus without the Spirit of God. Can't do it. We don't have that power. It's another huge theological moment here. Deep fakes, people who aren't filled with the Spirit, they want you to think that you have this power on your own, that you did this on your own. If they can convince you of this, they've captured you. But breathing the Spirit of God opens our eyes to the reality that it wasn't an idea that was crucified. It was a man, a human named Jesus. Paul could have written Christ, but he didn't. He wrote Jesus' human name, Jesus. This guy, this human being born in Bethlehem, raised in Nazareth, who worked in Galilee, who was crucified and resurrected in Jerusalem. There is an historical record and eyewitnesses of his life. This human being is God and he's Lord. That's what this is. That is the confession. What deep fakes do people who aren't filled with the Spirit, is they're going to try to convince you that Jesus doesn't matter. That love, love is, you just need love. Love is all you need. And that maybe if, you're, if your ideas and if your plans in life come to fruition, that, that some idea of God has gotten you there. But the truth of the gospel is the truth of sacrifice, of following a man named Jesus who gave his life to set you free and who asks you to give your life to him. That's confessing Jesus is Lord. Know the confession. Here's the third way. The third way to spot a deep fake is this. you got to be able to see the Spirit. you got to be able to see it. Now, that sounds real nebulous and kind of out there, but I'm going to double down on this. You can see the Holy Spirit. You can see it. You can see the breath of God. I'm going to show you this. Look in verse 4. 
We're going to start reading here. Paul tells us how. I'm sorry, verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now, I'm going to read this again. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish, to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues or languages, to another the interpretation of those languages. Now, Paul lists a laundry list of spiritual gifts here. A lot has been written about these. Wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, languages, interpretation of languages. They're impressive. They're supernatural. They're not always explained. But this list, what makes this list so important is the giver of this list. Paul specifically says that these gifts come from the Spirit of God. But what he does is he takes this one step further. Look again in verses 7 and 11. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good, and all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. The word that Paul uses there is the word manifestation. Manifest, it's a great word. It's a great word. A manifestation is something that appears that wasn't visible before. It doesn't come into existence. It's always been there. You just couldn't see it. He says that this is the manifestation of the Spirit. By the way, when this word manifestation is a verb, when it's a verb, it's actually used in reference to Jesus' appearances after his resurrection, as in you couldn't see him and then you could. Same word. Spiritual gifts as exhibited in their diversity here through different people are the manifestation of the Spirit of God. That's how you see the Holy Spirit. It's, it's unbelievable. You can see it. This is when you see his active presence in the body of Jesus. Deep fakes don't offer you this kind of diversity. They're lopsided. There's one person in charge. Everyone else is subordinate. Not so with the Spirit of God. The Spirit gives these gifts, makes his presence known as these gifts are needed. It's not a one and done. They aren't necessarily a gift for all time. If someone needs healing, the Spirit can May not always, but he can enable someone to work healing through that person. It's absolutely incredible that Paul says, you want to see the Holy Spirit? Go to church. Go to church. See what God is doing through the collective agency of his people. And see how everyone's gifted in different ways. Then you can see the Spirit of God. It's, it's an amazing glimpse of what our future of God is like through eternity. Boundaries of natural law are going to cease to exist and everything is going to be miraculous. Here's the fourth way. The fourth way to spot a deep faith is this. It's to experience the unity. Experience the unity. Look at how Paul concludes this section. Two verses here. Verses 12 and 13 of 1 Corinthians 12. For just as the body is one 
It has many members and all the members of the body. Though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews, Greeks, slaves are free. And all were made to drink of one spirit. Now, it's tempting to say that with the spirit of God, after all we've read, we have unity and diversity. A lot of people have used that. We have unity in diversity. Many members, one body. Unity in diversity. But to say that, I think, would actually be a mistake. Because what that does is that implies that anyone can do anything, be anything, live however they see fit, and that in the end, we're all together. That's not what Paul's talking about here. It's not what he means. What Paul means here is this. He actually implies that unity dominates Diversity. Unity dominates diversity. That the body of Christ makes diversity meaningful. It gives purpose to diversity. Deep fakes, or people who say that they're filled with the Spirit of God, will say that diversity dominates unity. That's what, that's what, that's the spirit of the age here. We see this often in our culture. I mean, you see the celebration of things like critical theory and gender fluidity. You see this, we see this all the time, and it's easy for us, for spirit people, to see a complete collapse of God-given life and God-given purpose. Our, our culture says that to be truly united, we must be truly diverse. We hear that. So much so that in some places, there are consequences for those who refuse to recognize people by how they identify themselves. You and I know this is wrong. You know this is wrong. Paul says that through Jesus, through our baptism, and by the power of the Spirit, God corrals the differences of people in his church. He transforms them, and he propels his church and culture as the way people and neighbors and coworkers should interact. His church, this group of Spirit-filled people, is a group of people whose walls have been shattered by the king of the universe. He says this, Jews, Greeks, slave, or free, everybody who's baptized into this one body. There are no walls. And in this place, supernatural things happen. That's what happens here, where people become in and through Jesus who they were meant to be. That's what Paul is saying. And if anything else promises these things, but only delivers a weak substitute, it's a deep fake. Stay away from that. And I want to encourage you instead to breathe in the Spirit of God and be transformed into the person you were created to be.